Welcome to the In General Podcast. My name is Jack, and I am joined by Christopher. Hello, Chris. How's it going? Oh, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's not too bad. This is Podcast 98. We are rapidly approaching number 100. We we don't have plans for number 100 yet. We really should get on that. We still don't this have podcast, plans. This podcast is weird because we are recording it out of order. So yeah. we like we've all we've already recorded the meat of the podcast. We just haven't like introduced it and we haven't signed it off. So now we just gotta do that part. It's, We're it's faking a real pod. That's what's happening. Um, but there are a few things to mention. Yeah, <laughs> there are a few things to mention. So first off, I would like to mention that if you check out our T Public store, we currently have a sale up to thirty percent off. Check that out. Get the holiday deals in. You may know that there are supply chain issue supply chain issues with quotation marks. Uh, globally so check it out get your christmas orders in soon christmas slash holiday orders some people don't celebrate christmas but they still celebrate the holidays so enjoy um and today on this episode last week month two weeks ago when do we every two weeks every two every two weeks (laughs) uh you may remember that we announced a giveaway you could win the opportunity to win (laughs) (laughs) Uh, allow myself to introduce (laughs) myself <laughs> um yeah so you could you could win aftermath game codes part one and two now obviously we understand it is a bit of a niche contest not everybody has an oculus headset i do not have an oculus headset whereas christopher james Pugh does have an oculus headset not my name um but he's not he's not gonna win <laughs> he's not gonna win riches <laughs> isn't gonna win uh <laughs> but welcome yeah chris what's new in the world of jurassic before we announce um, this giveaway what is new uh, what is new? Um, well, no, I mean, since the last time we talked, there was already the Camp Cretaceous, like, five-second, like, season four announcement teaser. We still don't have a teaser or a trailer. I have a theory, and we'll see if it holds true. My theory is we, because uh, this is, this podcast is dropping, like, in the next day or so from us recording this, right? Uh, in theory. Today. Oh, it's, oh, wow. Okay, wow. Really quick turnaround. So my theory is so then the trailer might drop next week, like the teaser trailer for season four might drop next week because uh, Jurassic World Evolution 2 comes out next week. And I don't, it's not that I think that those two uh, products like tie into one another or the stories or anything like that. It's really just more about brand synergy, like get Jurassic in the headlines and keep it in the headlines. So you got Evolution 2 on Tuesday and maybe the trailer uh, will drop on a Friday or something like that. I don't know. It's totally baseless, but... The way that I figure is we're looking at that and we're getting into teaser trailer season for like Dominion. So I, I we typically, if we follow past patterns, are going to look at like the week of Thanksgiving upwards to the first week of um, December, like that small little window of time. Um, and so that's where you would typically typically get your first trailer. So I think like one of two things are going to happen. We're going to get like our teaser trailer for Dominion in that window. Or if ultimately that IMAX footage isn't in the film, I could see them releasing that online during that window in lieu of a teaser trailer. And then our teaser trailer will just sort of, I don't know, maybe we'll get one. But otherwise, I think that we probably end up waiting until February. Um, which so it's is, interesting, isn't we, it, regarding that no, the prehistoric scene is that it, it, we still don't know if it's in the movie or not. Last we heard, we don't think it is, but not sure entirely. So if they release it online, we know that it's not in the movie. Yeah, I, I, guess just, I is, don't think... I don't think they'd put it online like months and months and months in advance if it's in the movie. Like, it'd be one thing if it's like a week or two before the film, but that far in advance, I just don't see that being the case. So I think that that's sort of going to give us, uh, you know, the answer on a few things. If that comes out, 
we're probably gonna have to wait till typical like like big trailer um big game spots time which is the super bowl uh for like the trailer but if that doesn't and there is always a super bowl trailer for jurassic isn't there Mm -hmm. Uh, judging by the first the first two (laughs) jurassic world and fuller kingdom i mean on top of that we've been talking dates for a while i mean we we had the opportunity to we we had received some information that's how we knew when camp cretaceous was going to be in december that's how we knew season five was going to be in july after dominion and originally here's the weird part originally it said like the first teaser trailer for dominion would be august and then we were surprised with the IMAX preview in June. Um, and then the thing is, is it then it said like the next trailer would be February. So, I, I, so that, that's like, that's sort of like that weird part. Like obviously some things changed there, but I think February is a very good spot to look at, but I, all the same, I think that we'll get something. Uh, we have to get something this month. Uh, yeah. So you think November. there'll be a teaser trailer for Camp Cretaceous and you think it will, you think the teaser trailer, no, there's will... gotta be a teaser trailer this month for Camp Cretaceous. No doubt. They're not going to just, I like, guess. Yeah. December 3rd, right. They can't yeah. <laughs> teaser on December 1st, but you think it'll be a teaser trailer that does reveal the new location or at least reveals what the Island is. Or do you think they are still going to keep that, that under wraps? I mean, I don't know how you can keep it entirely under wraps. I'm thinking the deserty location is like the real meat of the season. And I think that they put that in that little like sizzle announcement type thing so that people don't get their expectations set for like an entire season set on Sorna or whatever. So I think that whatever the first location is, it's like more of like a pit stop to like the real meat of the season. So I wouldn't be surprised if the teaser trailer kind of just immediately alludes to like where they first end up and like why they're there. And then like, oh, stuff's going on. And then I think they might keep like how, why and where that desert location is i think they might try to keep that under tighter wraps i think they can with that because the only thing we have to go on that is complete assumption you yeah. know that um, desert location is not something we can guess i mean we can assume we can say it's potentially we, we have made plenty desert. of guesses <laughs> but <laughs> made plenty of guesses plenty of assumptions but we cannot say for certain because it, it it's technically a brand new location to the franchise visually at least unless yeah. it's atacama desert of chile which was explored in uh the, the live tour but you know not yeah. many people i guess not many people i don't know a lot of people did get to see that but i haven't seen that a lot of people haven't seen that i mean a um, lot of people didn't it 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 basically uh covid happened based in like the first uh part of its run so i think like only like the east coast saw it and not and then basically it just sort of stopped. It's been postponed until then, right? But it's yeah, I want to say like now, I want to say it was touring back? for I want to say it was like touring for like a month and a half before COVID <laughs> happened. And so like it, nobody really got to see that thing. Um, no, they haven't even officially announced it, but we've heard that it should be back next year. I, right. I hope that that stays true because we're getting into the time period that we should start hearing about it, and we haven't heard about it. So right, right. we'll see. But I think that it's worth. Um, I think it's worth bringing back for sure. And honestly, there's a really, you know, Colin Trevorrow went on record to say it's not really canon, it's soft canon. Well, maybe this downtime was enough time to re re-examine the script and figure out what needed to change to make it soft canon to hard canon. I don't know. You know, just it like would rework. be quite exciting. This probably can't happen, but it would be quite exciting if they change life to when it reopens, all of a sudden ties just, in with season four and you've got camp cretaceous <laughs> kids there you know you've got ben that would be ben. <laughs> that would be such a big, big change i mean i know i know i think 
I think that if anything would change, it just might be like a few like little dates or this and that's like just to make it align a little bit more. The other thing is, is like obviously the action you're seeing on screen or like in in person isn't entirely canon to the events. But the real question is, is is the summary of the plot canon? I think that Mm -hmm. I think people understand that the live tour medium is embellishing some of the action and some of the way things play out because it's a live stage show. Like that's not exactly the way it's playing out, obviously, if it were canon. So the real question is, is the summary of the plot, you know, canon? And I think that would be great if we could get to a point where it's like, yeah, the summary of the plot definitely is canon. There absolutely is a, you know, location in the Atacama Desert. There absolutely absolutely were other raptors on Nublar. There was a Troodon training program. Um, I, I would have loved if Camp Cretaceous would have acknowledged that. Um, well, it certainly isn't the first, you know, the, the live tour isn't the first time that we now all of a sudden are learning that there were new or different velociraptors on yeah, new bar, in Jurassic World's run. Aftermath, yeah, exactly. That that has all new raptors. Blue isn't even in that, I believe, right? Yeah. Uh, no, no, I, I haven't played part two. Uh, part one ends with you being tasked to get Blue's DNA. Um, so I don't know if you actually see blue How'd or you if, get you it? Just, if you just, if you just want to know, yeah, right. Um, or I think you just might go to the facility where it's stored. Cause I think like, that's what we were saying. Like, Oh, I've got, you know, her, her DNA is on lockdown, blah, blah, blah. If you mills needs that, if you can get that, you know, I can secure your rescue, that type of deal. Um, sure. Sure. Well, it's going to be interesting, and I think November is going to be a really interesting month for Jurassic. Uh, some big things will probably end up dropping, like the Camp Cretaceous trailer, teaser, whatever. Something's going to come this month, as Chris said. Um, yeah, like I and- said, I think I think we'll get that in the second week in November. So next week, I I think Ooh. it just makes sense because it this sort of puts it puts enough time. If we're getting something for Jurassic World Dominion towards the end of the month, it puts enough time between those where like you sort of pace it out in a healthy way. Um, yeah, it would make so. sense to drop anything Dominion related after the season drops for Camp Cretaceous. Give people time to watch Camp Cretaceous, let them chill out a little bit, and then we'll all of a sudden smash them in the face with some we'll Jurassic see, though. World Dominion news. We'll see though. I'm not. I'm not sure if that's gonna play out like that. To be honest with you, because we're not getting Camp Cretaceous until December, and Jurassic World's marketing um, is more like the typical marketing. So that would mean November rather than December. So we'll we'll see. Um, but anyhow, it's all we're got looking... mixed up this year, hasn't it? It's it's very yeah. weird. But, but I know if we're if... following if we're following patterns, I feel like we'll see something between Thanksgiving week and um, the first week of December. Sure, and, and, I, and I, hope, I hope that's a teaser trailer. I really do hope that that's like a proper teaser trailer. Um, yeah, yeah, I hope so too. And I hope whatever if they do end up releasing something for Dominion, I hope it's not very spoilery. I hope it's not a trailer that reveals too much about the movie because we're still a little bit far away but also um yeah if I feel they like we're too drop for a trailer a, like that yeah yeah and if they drop a super bowl trailer then you know i i hope that too isn't crazy but i just I, like an entire i would imagine outline. yeah yeah and the ending yeah <laughs> well i mean the sequels <laughs> well you, you joke but like that that is very much the universal pictures marketing uh mm-hmm. i honestly out of like the big 
like kind of the big players i think universal cuts like some of the worst trailers for the franchise films to be honest with you they basically it's like they don't know how to make a trailer so they just outline the entire plot and try to show you like a sampling of each major set piece that is how i mean most drastic. most studios do cut trailers like that nowadays that's the thing like that seems yeah, to be the hollywood but, way <laughs> oh you want to go you see know, this film here's the entire movie so you can decide what whether or not you, you know want what to. I can say though is at least the Marvel films normally don't go that route and at least it seems like Disney's well right. they don't need Dis- to now they have a pre-established yeah. audience same people go see those movies every single time like they will outsell they cut really good trailers I mean the Marvel movie trailers aren't as good as the Star Wars trailers but like the Star yeah, Wars Star trailers, Wars trailers always nail they it. cut really good trailers like they're not very... even a Star Wars guy I watched the trailer for the Boba Fett one and I was like you know what that looks fucking <laughs> sick <laughs> that looks so they're good. really well crafted yeah no they, they know what they're doing and uh and honestly yeah i watched the boba fett one earlier today and I, I was like i would not be surprised if everything we saw on that is from the first episode yeah most likely i mean it feels but, like it's the establishing premise of what the character thinks gonna happen so is it a mini series or is it uh it's like, like yeah a, it's a limited series i don't think it's limited okay. it's like yeah so it's gonna be oh, like could you imagine season. oh jurassic needs something like that mm-hmm. <laughs> it really does uh, oh but, you know, yeah. speaking of Jurassic World Aftermath, um, let's announce and let's pick a winner for these game codes. So the uh, contest was all you have to do is give a comment. You have to like and subscribe on the In General Podcast channel. If you haven't figured it out by now, <laughs> stop trying and get the hell out of here. But we have a brand new channel for the In General Podcast where you can get the pod and everything else related to it. Um, yeah, go subscribe to that so you don't miss an episode. Um, if you listened on YouTube, uh, they will no longer be on the Jurassic Outpost channel. But, okay, so all of the comments, uh, we have checked. Everybody that commented, we've checked to see if they're subscribed. And uh, can't check if you've liked it, but there's 24 comments and 34 likes. So I'm going to make an assumption that we're covered there. Um, so we have put everybody's name into a random generator. And I'm just going to select one at random. Um, just somebody that... Uh, uh, okay uh, sorry no hopefully, i said i'm gonna select they... one at random i'm gonna press the button and let the thing select at random hopefully the person you. with an oculus yeah well that's the thing i was thinking i was reading some of the comments and i was like well all these people are saying you know i'm really excited to play i'm like i'm hoping you have an oculus headset because you can't otherwise <laughs> but if you don't <laughs> then you know when when the game codes are gifted to you email oculus and be like i have game codes i have no headset uh, uh, that or out. let us know if you can't if you're really not gonna be able to play it let us know give us the code back and um well maybe we can arrange some sort of consolation something yeah we can give you something we, we got I'm, some I'm stuff looking around the room maybe some beyond the gate stuff we'll give you some beyond the gates toys that we don't want anymore <laughs> uh but okay cool let's do this so i have entered but, uh, all these mark, names uh, box back there <laughs> we'll put that in <laughs> ah <laughs> okay okay where is it okay are you ready, Chris? I'm going to hit the button. Oh, I'm ready. And spin. Spin that wheel. <laughs> okay. And the name it has come up with is Aroto Tomato. <laughs> okay. All right. Let me try to find that comment. So if your uh, YouTube name is Aroto Tomato, Aroto, 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 A double R O T O. Domato. What was their uh, comment on? I'm trying to find that comment now. But if that was your username on YouTube, you won. <laughs> wow. Let's let's, <laughs> let, let's, uh, let's see what the winning comment was. Their winning comment. I hope it's like just a really sloppy comment. 
fuck you guys <laughs> you imagine no the comment i found that it is another great one guys okay cool thank you well i hope you entered the contest willingly <laughs> and that wasn't um, just yeah. a normal comment let us know get in touch with us um head to draskalpost.com forward slash contact uh just go on the main page you'll find some contact info or just dm us on one of the socials and we're, we, we will link like you up make... with your codes and yeah if you can't play it and you don't think you have an oculus maybe we can like get you a mega egg a captive's mega egg yeah we'll get you something um and you can give those codes up and we'll do another contest but yeah there we go so the winner is what did i say what was the name oh there we go arato domato congratulations my man you have won also his and apologies uh, you... if we're uh, not pronouncing that right <laughs> his um profile picture on youtube is barney gumball so all right that's always that's always good uh okay so uh what else before we jump in we have a special guest today his name is brent Kippel. he um is a uh avid jurassic fan but was also in jurassic world he was an extra in that scene he was an extra in the lab and in the main street running scene the tyrannodon attack dimorphin on attack scene uh we talked to him Ooh, and that deep. will be um we, we go pretty deep into no, like, get, like, do you know what it was actually cover some good ground um and it's funny because we we go a little you know we get into some rants we talk about our opinions but no he's able to provide some really cool context about like some of the props that you might not have seen or heard about um we talk a little bit about some of the things that are in the gift shop or the different stores and whatnot and just some of the deeper lore elements that uh existed it's 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 a really fascinating conversation not to it mention was our, a uh, go our on, conversations about the uh the films and uh our fallen kingdom yeah. Uh, <laughs> whenever we have a guest on we have to ask them what their view of fallen kingdom was because that is the bad one <laughs> okay <laughs> it's fact uh no but it was great talking to brent and because yeah as chris said he was in jurassic world so talk, it you know it was quite it was almost nostalgic bringing up origins of the original podcast he was a listener mm-hmm. to our podcast back when jurassic world was filming and he was actually there on set so it was really cool talking about all that i kind of forgotten that oh yeah they used the nasa set to film some of it and yeah just i don't know it was just cool very cool conversation it was, it was really fun reminiscing it's weird it's weird that there's enough time between now and like the lead up to jurassic world to be nostalgic for that time period because that also feels so recent and it's kind of freaky how fast time has flown by, right to be honest it's a little bit weird you. isn't like, it it's a little bit it's weird. a little it's a little freaky. But anyhow, yeah, we talk about a lot. He also has a lot of great insight into VR games. And that is because he independently develops VR games. And we go yes. into detail yeah. about that. Yeah. So it is it, a really, really great, great conversation. conversation. And we cover a lot of ground. So we'll jump into that shortly. But first, Chris, tell me, Evolution 2, are you now excited? Yeah, I, um, you know, Evolution 2 comes out in about a week from now. And we will have a lot of coverage. We'll have a lot to talk about when that game drops. Uh, you know, so stay tuned for our review and other content exploring any potential story elements or anything like that from the game. Um, we'll definitely have a lot to say, and I'm excited to talk about it. And I, I think that this is it's a game that a lot of people are looking forward to, and it's a game that a lot of people are curious about. And we'll have more to say next week. Once it once it is released and we can talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so without further ado, let's jump into our interview with Brent. Brent, welcome to the podcast, man. 
thanks guys it's it's awesome to be here uh like we were saying before uh seven years uh coming so you, you guys yes. have been around forever it's awesome to finally join up <laughs> <laughs> it is weird to think the in general podcast began as the jurassic world.org podcast right chris and that was what was it like, was it the jurassic world.org yeah yeah it, in general was like when we swapped over to outpost and yeah no no it oh God, i can't believe it's been that long I know, it's so weird. But uh, Brent, so you were in Jurassic World. You were Dr. Ryan Crest. I was. It was a, a, an amazing experience, you know, a, a once-in-a-lifetime type of thing. So um, uh, uh, as a fan uh, since the beginning, since the first movie, you know, it was just so amazingly cool to do. And I also uh, got to be there for all of the Main Street stuff as well. So any of the, the attack on Main Street or just kind of general milling about of the park. So... Super so how cool did that stuff. all come about? You just applied, right? And this was filming in New Orleans. Yes. So uh, back then, uh, I was on Dan's JP3 page a lot. Yes. Um, that and yes. Then, uh, <laughs> yes. And uh, somebody on there actually just posted an open casting call and um, just decided to do it. I, I was living in California at the time, uh, right out of college. Uh, I um, went to school for filmmaking and uh big part because of Jurassic Park and um you know was working out there at the time I just went you know I'm in the industry I might as well try and I sent uh sent over my resume and a picture and they got back to me it was it was crazy <laughs> uh from there I had to figure out how to get from California to Louisiana to do everything but uh it was well worth doing <laughs> yeah no seriously it's um, that will always be one of my regrets that I didn't do that um it was one of those things that I considered doing and I'm like uh can I really make this work or is it really like worth applying when I don't live in Louisiana live in pennsylvania and, yeah uh, yeah to this day i'm like damn it i actually <laughs> um i made some friends that you know were part of the community too uh justin mayno if you guys have ever interacted with him but he he came down from detroit and then um i also met another um one or two people from um i'm blanking on the name of the older website but uh the jurassic um i can't remember it but it was the big website uh Leg right legacy around. Legacy, JP Legacy. There you go. I, I met a few friends from there as well. And, uh, you know, it was all everybody was like, should we do this? Should we not? Like, you know, are they even going to have us? And and it did work out. It was cool. So, you know, if they're ever in, in the States again, Chris, you got to try. <laughs> yeah, no, I've already kind of determined that if if uh, if it's in the States or yeah, if it's in the States, I'm definitely going to no matter where it there's is. No excuse, it there's yeah, no there's excuse, Chris. Yeah, there's really no excuse. I mean, I'd rather I mean, I'd rather work on it rather than like be in it. Yeah. But either yeah. way, being around yeah. it, you know, so, something like what, that. So what was the deal uh, in New Orleans? They had uh, two two different sets, right? They had the Main Street set that was from memory in the abandoned uh, theme park, amusement park. Uh, and then they also had something in a NASA uh, building or yes. something like that, right? Exactly. I think, Chris, you. I, I, yeah, it wasn't. So they had Main Street, then I think separate from Main Street, then they had the Mosasaur Arena. And then didn't they have the Jurassic Park ruins? Was that in the NASA facility? They did. So sadly, I didn't get to see the inside of the uh, Innovation Center, but uh, that was in the same. Um, complex of buildings that the lab was in and um, next door to the lab they had the the jurassic world innovation center um set which uh, i also got to see i didn't actually do any of the the work there um and then yes as you said jack the um new um the 
outside park um, stuff was shot at Six Flags. Um, the Six, Flags, Six Flags, that was it. Yeah, yes. I remember that. That was the first time I'd ever heard of Six Flags. I had no idea what it was. Oh, really? Being from Britain, I didn't know what it was. Yes. <laughs> I was like, what the hell is a Six Flags car park? <laughs> what does well, that you know mean? What's, what's really funny is originally the intent and the reason why they even booked that was they wanted to go inside of the park and build the park inside of the park and use a lot of the pre-existing rides and structure and sort of build like new facades on them. Um, but then they, as they looked at it, I guess it was just like kind of dangerous in there with like wild boars and snakes and everything like that. <laughs> and, um, and they looked at it and it was like kind of so run down and it would require so much customization that they ultimately backtracked and they're like, we're just going to build it out in the uh, parking lot from scratch and we're not going to use the inside of the park. Cause the in- original intent was to build it inside the park and even have a roller coaster in frame because then they wanted to build a roller coaster in universal parks, which now eventually has happened, but it right. nearly happened a few times. But their idea was to have a roller coaster in frame to prelude to the universal parks, getting a Jurassic park roller coaster. It was one of those weird things like, they like Frank Marsh- early. Frank Marshall wanted that. It was it was a big Frank Marshall thing. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, ultimately, well, because there was going to be an amber mine roller coaster back then. It was going to be more of a themed dark ride oh, roller coaster. I remember. And Isn't then that they why che- we called that series of videos the Amber Mine News because we, we'd heard it or something. We were like, Let's maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. There are honestly Universal Parks really keeps cheaping out on um Jurassic, and they kind of keep giving away the good stuff to the other uh, properties. So I feel like Jurassic's got the short end of the stick. Velocicoaster looks like a great coaster, but an awful Jurassic ride. But that's another story altogether. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyhow, so, so, so did you go inside uh, the NASA building? What what was it that was being shot in there? Sorry. Yes, we did. So um, that had the actual labs. So uh, any of the stuff I did. Um, as far as that um, was at the NASA building, but uh, they were sharing a space with the innovation center itself. So the inside of the main building, um, you know, it did connect in the film, but they were, you know, obviously filmed in separate areas and then digitally kind of pieced together. But we got to eat lunch inside the innovation center essentially. And then we would film (laughs) in the labs. So that was, that was pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. And so can you, you can, it, during the lab sequence, I know that there's, there's photography on the official website that you're in as Dr. Ryan Crest. Can you actually see you in the film, in the lab? Yeah, so um, I'm definitely in there. I mean, my the first shot I'm in is um, Claire's walking down the hallway and um, she's, you know, pitching the dinosaurs saying kids aren't, you know, as interested as they used to be. And it's actually, uh, as she's delivering that line in the foreground, there's like a really big tough of hair and that's my tough of hair and it goes through frame <laughs> and uh you know what was wild about that was like colin actually came up to me for that shot and like directed my like performance you know in a very small way yeah, but wow. told me like what to be doing at the table and all this stuff so you know me being like cameras right behind me this is gonna be awesome when i see this movie i'm gonna like at least be in this part and then yeah it's just this big you know real close up but i, I <laughs> I am in the background in plenty of other shots. Um, the in the lab, it's it's always kind of very quick, and you miss it. Um, I can try to share some stuff on Twitter if people want to see. But um, yeah, the, I mean that's so great though that you you know grew up as a Jurassic fan like all of us, and then and then by the time Jurassic Park four came around, you, you were in it. You got I know that experience. That <laughs> it, it was so cool. <laughs> And outside of just the lab, too, I mean, obviously, all of us wanted to get chased by dinosaurs. So doing the um, the Main Street attack was uh, that was really the the real culmination of my childhood dreams. Right. Like 
dipping and diving and going and yeah it was it was so cool (laughs) that's like all those all the making ofs of jurassic park lost world jp3 when there's just like people running from nothing did it feel mm -hmm. like that that kind of it was it it so much was and they you know they didn't really prepare us uh for some of the like tricks they were doing you know camera wise they actually had stunt performers in um, spandex green outfits that were acting as some of the the different dimorphodons pteranodons and they were like jumping on stunt performers and they had stunt performers <laughs> tumbling off balconies and it it was a it was a big production you know it, it there's a lot of cgi in the in the movies but there there also was a lot of um, practical at least stunt work going on like even if you don't notice it i love watching those scenes because there is so much going on just tiny in the background where like maybe somebody falls over like a stroller or you know goes off a balcony and like they don't focus on it but it's there and it was happening practically on set which was which was pretty cool it does show they they just did a lot of they did a lot of in camera like like you said it's like a lot of like destruction and whatnot it's had like a lot of like this and that's happening all throughout the frame and it does it, it really does show and it really does add to it because most of the time, I mean, CG can be indistinguishable, but a lot of times in these types of films, it's kind of easy to tell when it's CG just mm-hmm. because of how complex the scenes are and they don't, everything doesn't really get the attention and detail that it maybe needs. So it really shows when it's in, in camera and it, it does help and you can tell it's there. There's a really strong basis of practicality there. Exactly. And, you know, at the time, I, I, I did listen to some very old episodes before joining you guys today. And I was reminiscing on, you know, all of what could have been right back then. And um, oh, wow. a lot of it was like, how many animatronics are we going to see? I could remember like being <laughs> on the plane, like heading there, like, oh, what what am I going to find? You know, that obviously as fans of the franchise, like dreaming of seeing these full size creatures built out. Obviously ended up being a little disappointed there, but I got to see their heads on uh, sticks and, uh, you know, stuff like that. So that was I, cool. <laughs> I assume that'd be the Dimorphodon and Pteranodon then that you saw? I did. So they had the smaller ones that were painted up, and then they had for the Pteranodons the, the full-size but unpainted heads, and those mm-hmm. were really cool to see. But, um, you know, sadly, no, no full dino. <laughs> full animatronics we really did think as well the indominus uh, the indominus breakout scene when the indominus you know rips apart the the worker that's in the in the cage mm-hmm. with them um we all thought when we were going through the trailer that that was oh 100 animatronic has to be an animatronic look how good it looks all that oh yeah and it <laughs> it's did. one of those things it really it did. looks sharp and then it, it behaves a lot like an animatronic because it's not moving forward it's it's just the, it's standing stationary and then doing a task which is very it seemed like very really on point like an animatronic which yeah. you know animals yeah. do that also so it was just one of those things we're like oh yeah that's got to be because at that point we were naive and we're like yeah there's there's gonna be animatronics that's you know jurassic park's hit legacy you know it's it's history yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be filled with animatronics but uh then we get- yeah. <laughs> Jurassic World was a weird one, I guess, in that sense. There was a, it was after such a long gap. We know that you know ILM didn't necessarily feel too confident with it, so you know it, it was it wasn't. And I guess the studio as well, they're like, well, we can do it all CG, so we wouldn't. Do that. Well, it's one of those things like they they originally intended for animatronics and then the studio to sort of kind of like time and money kind of got in the way of that. But the original intent was four Raptor heads, um, obviously for when they're inside the cage, a T-Rex head and neck, a Indominus head and neck. And I want to say maybe one full Raptor um, as well as then obviously the, the Apatosaur. And then things just kept getting massively scaled down, but like legacy effects originally had 
built out bids and plans. And there's a reason why Legacy had done a lot of some of the early work because they were going to be more involved. And then, unfortunately, at the final hour, things yeah. kind of kept it's a shame as well now. like if, if you look at the franchise now you know fallen kingdom they introduced more animatronics and then obviously in dominion we know that it's full of full of animatronics but the issue is is you know for fallen kingdom they moved to the movie's production base to the uk so like the the people that did work at stan winston studios and the people that went on and, and are now in legacy i mean it didn't really make too much sense that's why they got bids and they you know, ended up going with other teams, Neil Scanlon's team. But it is a shame because those legacy people that were on the originals would probably be very beneficial yeah. uh, on the animatronic teams. But so was it um, when you were filming very long days? How long were you in New Orleans? Um, so the first set, which was the the Main Street stuff, I was uh, on set for five different days. Uh, each one was, you know, roughly 12 hours. That's the general kind of rule for a film set, maybe a little bit more, but honestly, they flew by. Um, so they were they were long days, but they were well worth uh, the time. I uh, like like I mentioned earlier, I was young when I went and did it. I was right out of college and, uh, you know, I was getting paid to be an extra isn't a lot of money. So you're, you're there on your own dime and you're trying to make it work. So I flew in, you know, on a red eye, I got in at like 1am to try to avoid hotel fees and like rental cars. And I stayed at the airport overnight. I actually listened to you guys. I was sitting in the airport, like for five hours waiting for the rental car company to like open up. And, uh, you know, then I, I think I slept in my car that day. And then the next day I was on set and it was like, oh, wow. I was there for those five days. And then I left on like Saturday. And it, that was the only time I've ever been in, uh, Louisiana as well, which kind of stinks. It's a cool place, but yeah. in and out and here for the building, <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> Man, that's awesome though. So let me ask you, do you, um, do you believe that Dr. Ryan Crest is still alive? <laughs> Um, well, actually, and it, it wasn't me, but somebody put together a wiki of the character on the Jurassic wiki and that says he died. So I go with that. Um, but, uh, I would, I would love for, uh, you know, a Ryan Crest Renaissance, right? I'm, I'm here for that. Of course. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, working, that's the working thing. for another company now, you know, yeah. Manicor, Bison, whichever Wu. one. That's it. You work yeah. for Dr. Wu. I mean, you've got the skills. You were there. That's what I'm uh, thinking. Maybe trust you with his secrets. Who knows where Dr. Ryan Crest is these days? <laughs> Thanks, guys. I like to think that it, too. It, it's, <laughs> it, it only makes sense. It's the uh, canonical tissue that kind of ties it all together. Um, so, the one thing, the sets were real, like Main Street, everything that was there was really complex. There's just a ton of details that are never seen in the films, really. Um, are, are there any details that maybe stand out to you that maybe don't get talked about or seen or just like cool little things that you notice while you're doing that that are like kind of worth bringing up definitely yeah so um i got to go into the gift shop which was awesome um you know they they while we were there they obviously filmed the movie but they did a lot of stuff for the the viral site as well mm -hmm. so they had lots of little like security cameras or tinier cameras in in various buildings and they would kind of just tell the extras to go in into them and mill about you know, move around just so they could get the footage to then put on the websites and things. So uh, I took full advantage of that. I always tried to like go into every place I could because I was there for, you know, the experience really. And uh, so going into the gift shop, I mean, that was, it was cool to see. They had toys that I didn't know were prototypes of um, what we would eventually get 
uh, for Jurassic World, even though they weren't the best. <laughs> um, and then we also, uh, the coolest thing I think in the gift shop to me was a, a stand of brochures and of postcards. And um, you never see them in the movie, but they, they were all just, you know, um, very nice art style, but they referenced uh, things like the baby triceratops from the novel um or not the baby but the uh like the pygmy dinosaurs from the novels um that they had postulated about in the very beginning like maybe someday we could sell these as pets that people could take home and you know feed ingen specific food obviously these um, postcards didn't have all of that on there but they essentially said like keep a dinosaur in the palm of your hands and it was like a very tiny sized um triceratops and to me as a fan of the books as well that was like just really cool to see those tiny details where you know even the people whose stuff was never going to actually be on camera they they were caring as well you know putting it together that's that's really big world building and i'm i'm surprised that is something that they were probably playing around with but then just like maybe kind of got cut from the plot but like the props department still like carried on some of those threads it's too bad that it isn't something that doesn't get get viewed but of course that would change sort of the trajectory of like the overarching plot a little bit um if that were focused on at the same time so that i i can i don't know but that is that's something that's really cool I would, that's something that i wish that maybe the camera had focused on yeah and i think you're exactly right there because you know we know jurassic world went through a lot of production woes i you know a lot of that stuff in there i think may have even been from um, the previous script. Uh, mm -hmm. I actually had a, a buddy that I made after filming um, who was involved with some of the art uh, for uh, previous iterations of uh, Jurassic World. And he had designed some skateboards that some kids were going to be using in the park in that in that version. And um, his skateboards actually like on the wall in the gift shop, too. So, like, you know, I think a lot of that stuff, like you're saying, it's very possible maybe was from other iterations. It it does make you wonder how much art and design went. Like, we've seen some of the stuff, like the Malosaurus, which then became the Diabolus Rex, which then became the Indominus. We've seen a few things like that. We've seen uh, Seth Engstrom's um, early Raptor concepts where they were going in the Jurassic Park 3 Raptor uh, direction. I really do wonder, though, like what else existed, like, you know, it's like props and whatnot and like little world building and story building things that maybe eventually got integrated. Um, it is funny that you mentioned the prototypes in the in the gift shop. Um, the other thing that a lot of people don't really realize or focus on is there were these unpainted helicopters and Humvee type of toy there vehicles. Were, yeah. And those were legitimate prototypes of before... So those were from when Jurassic World or Jurassic Park 4 was going to get a toy line that was um, more traditional. If okay. you know what I mean, it was before the new team took over and took it in the very subpar direction that eventually led to Hasbro losing the license. Yeah. Those were prototypes dating back to before Jurassic Park 4 got delayed. And when the original team that worked on the 20, the items that released in 2013, they had they were contributing on a more core toy line, like a 3.75 inch actors action figure scale, like scaling. And those were leftovers remnants from that. Um, no and unfortunately, those are the only those are the Once. only like embodiment that has ever been seen um they've never no, no prototypes have leaked out that from there nothing there's been really no dinosaurs because what we saw were like the pachy rhino and the allosaurus also i think in there i don't okay. think was there anything else that you recall like action figure wise that might have been like insight into a different jurassic world 
there was a larger like but it was hard rubber t-rex um not like the papo or um you know the ones that are kind of out there now it was a, a standing like um tail outstretched and it was bigger it wasn't quite the size of like a the the thrasher but um you know bigger than like the jp3 toys um if that you know helps with the scale and i would say that that was probably the main thing i was interested in i, I i'm a t-rex guy um so i was excited <laughs> to see that and i do now that you say that very much remember seeing the vehicles but you know just passing over them not thinking you know very much other than oh those are cool like helicopter humvee type thing but um other toys no and i mean even the prototypes they had for the what would ha hasbro would eventually put out like they were all kind of that same hard rubber not no articulation really to them so there's a good possibility maybe that T-Rex was something, um, but I've never seen it yeah. again. If I recall, I think like the only sculpt that like kind of made it into the film that's like similar to the one that made it like on the shelves was Ankylosaurus. Yes, if I recall, definitely. If I recall, the Raptor looked very different. Um, the T-Rex looked very sort of Papo running Rex-esque. Mm -hmm. um, I forget now, but I remember like it looked like they kind of like they're very early very mock up and uh most of them were not really representative of the final item except for the ankylosaur with that scorpion tail i think it was green in the yeah. film like green with like a brown shell or something like that very like saturated those guys and then the gloves right those made it too oh the, the gloves uh, the, the gloves are basically <laughs> exactly as they were it's just funny the in the packaging in the film is pretty much the final packaging it's yeah. even got that weird t-rex head the only difference is that for some reason that t-rex has spinosaurus arms in the film um, really? so three fingered. It's got these three fingered Spinosaurus arms, and the final huh. one they obviously fixed it to T Rex fingers. But no even way, in some that's... of the early, um, and even some of the early prototype like catalog leaks that happened back in like 2014, 2015, it had Spino hands for a long time, which led a lot of people thinking that might be the hybrid because huh. it's like this this evil looking T Rex with these three fingered hands. Everyone's like, is, is this if the hybrid? They crossed the T Rex and a Spino. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> is, is this is this the hybrid? Well, you know, Raptor hands. You know, three fingers. It's a T Rex. Like it did lead a lot of thinking. Like maybe the hybrid is just looking like a juiced up T Rex. And then ultimately that wasn't the case. But there was a little bit of a uh, curiosity of whether or not that key art represented it back then. As we <laughs> all try to put two and two together. <laughs> so, so Brent, I know that uh, when they were filming in Hawaii, the extras, they had, you know, hundreds of extras on that set too, running towards the docks and things like that. Um, but they made every single person, they took SD cards out of people's cameras and they put a um, uh, protective seal on the back of your phone camera so that if you took it off, they knew. And then they would yes. ask you to go through your phone. So did they do that in New Orleans? I, I still have my little uh, ET sticker that went over my uh, <laughs> over my camera. I uh, I don't know if they specifically chose Ed Tide because the initials were ET, but they did have ET around a lot. And I know you know Trevorrow's a big Spielberg fan, so um, but yeah, they was... did that to us. I know who isn't right, um, but yeah, so they did that to us. And then you know we all almost all the extras I think got prop cell phones. Um, I think that was something they like were trying to you know show in the background like you know, everybody here is just on their phone, you know, not really paying attention. Right. So we all had uh, phones, they would turn on, but they didn't have SD cards. So, you know, you couldn't take pictures, you couldn't do anything exciting with them. I, uh, I had my phone, I, I, 
I was as good as I could be, but I snuck a picture or two while I was there. I mean, I was on a dress. I mean, I, yeah. We're sending I def- this to Universal. We're telling them. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. I guys. definitely sorry. know of people. <laughs> some people brought in their own memory cards and put them in the um the prop. Yeah. The prop. We got cameras. sent lots of pictures from Hawaii. Because like they're like, oh, I couldn't. Like- <laughs> people are like, I couldn't bring in a camera, but they're like. <laughs> I could bring in a memory card and just put it in the prop cameras that are giving us because they're like they're charged, they're real. They send that memory card, so like so I just slipped my memory card in it and took pictures and then took it home. Nobody leaked them. That was the one cool part is nobody like really leaked like that stuff beforehand. It was just you know, hey, it's archival stuff and hey, I'm yeah, all it for ar- archiving it so it's not lost to time because there's just some cool stuff on those sets like the JP3 Raptors or um, the male T Rex and whatnot. Those are in the innovation center on the walls. Um, Really? And it's like, yeah, it's like little things like that, that like, I wish that the camera favored a little bit more because it helps with that world building, helps tie it all together and helps with that continuity, which, um, you know, some people don't necessarily like, you know, a lot of some people still think that Jurassic World is like only Jurassic Park is canon and it's retconning uh, Lost World and JB3. And that's not the case. Yeah. But like, I'll tell you what would have really been helpful is if some of those uh, JP3 Raptors and whatnot made it into the film a little bit more prominently, like on or, the or wall, even like, if, if if those events yeah. in those films had even been referenced or yeah, that as well that spoken out, or if you know, because Vic Hoskins' character was supposed to be uh, the lore on the website says that Vic Hoskins led the Pteranodon cleanup that happened after JP3, and that's kind of how he was he got involved with cool the idea, but unfortunately, it was done in post. Well, they didn't have that thing, idea while making you know, the movie. It yeah. could have been referenced in the movie somehow, and then you've got this perfect linkage between the end of the last trilogy and this trilogy. But yeah, there is there is still a number of people that that think Lost World and JP three didn't happen in the current timeline. I'm just like, but there's nothing there's nothing either way. Like yeah, either way, the island's been aren't. avoided, so it doesn't really yeah. matter either way. Um, so let me ask you. So you like us you grew up with jurassic and then you waited on dan's jp3 play page no less for jurassic park 4 news and and there was 14 years where we didn't know what was happening um long time and you remember dan's <laughs> jp4 page right for a while he, he temporarily had a dan's jp4 page uh but he did it so do you <laughs> it may be hard because obviously you were in it and you had that amazing experience on set but overall what did you think of jurassic world so, yeah, I mean, the you know, I, like you're saying, I have a bit of a, a tainted, you know, view, right? I, uh, I'm very close to it, uh, but sure. I do, I think, a little bit more than you, Jack, and just by, you know, hearing your conversation on the pod, enjoy it, um, potentially a little bit more. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think it has its, its flaws, for sure, but I think, like, for bringing the series back after as long as it was away and... You know, trying to get, you know, people who aren't us, people who are already sold on Jurassic because, you know, I was going to be there opening day no matter what. You know, the, the new mm-hmm. kids like my nephew or, you know, somebody I can show it to that's younger. I think it did what it needed to. I mean, clearly it did. We've got video games now. Mm-hmm. We've got, you know, awesome toy line, all this stuff. So is, is you know, the movie, I enjoy watching it. I wa- watch it frequently. Fallen Kingdom I watch, but not as much. Um, I do, I do enjoy it, but I feel like that's a middle movie um, in in my mind, and I, I really, I don't feel like I can judge it yet fully until Dominion's out. Um, it it uh, it sets up some stuff that I'm interested in, and it 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 didn't go the directions I necessarily wanted, right? But um, 
I think the third movie is is what's going to really make or break the Jurassic World kind of, you know, overarching story in my mind. I'm still kind of undecided. I think that's where I'm at. And I, yeah, I, I love I, I still love watching them. Even even saying that I uh, I'll still watch Fallen Kingdom. You know, over yeah, that's fair I, enough. I, I struggle with with Fallen Kingdom. I, I I don't think I could ever put that on to watch. Um, but you know, it does. This is something we have mentioned before: is that when Dominion does come out, because it really is a linked trilogy. This one, it, they're not just like making the next one as they go. It, it is all kind of mapped out. Um, I do feel like it will change the view of the first and second for me a little bit. It won't necessarily make me enjoy them anymore, but at least there'll be some like, oh, well, it all links, and now it all feels better. Yeah. See, here's, here's the thing. If, if I have a second here to talk about Fallen Kingdom, for one thing, I want to say I agree with you on Jurassic World. It's not like, I don't, it's not exactly what I wanted, but I think it's a pretty good modern blockbuster film. Yeah. It's not the best Jurassic Park film, but its story is a pretty good Jurassic Park sequel. So what I mean, like, it's not made exactly like Jurassic Park, so I don't think it fully honors the style of Jurassic Park, but it definitely honors the story of Jurassic Park, if that makes sense. Um, And I I enjoy it as a film there. I think that it's a pretty good film. I don't think it's the best Jurassic Park film, but I think it's a pretty good Jurassic Park sequel if you take the filmmaking style out of the picture. And it's a good filmmaking style modern. Anyway, Fallen Kingdom. My issue with Fallen Kingdom is, first of all, Assuming that we understand the premise of Jurassic World 3 well enough that dinosaurs are across the world suddenly now. So let's just assume that that's the case. Dinosaurs are across the world and they're just sort of somewhat commonplace. I don't know. We'll see. But assuming that, I think Fallen Kingdom, aside from not being a great movie, fails as a sequel. Because it doesn't follow up or make anything that Jurassic World did relevant. So when I say that is you don't need to understand what Jurassic World did with hybrids to understand the Indoraptor. Fallen Kingdom gives the Indoraptors about about a much about as much setup as the Indominus Rex had. You can understand the Indominus Rex in Jurassic World. You can understand the Indoraptors. So again, you don't need the previous film to establish hybrids. It already does the work within the film. So it doesn't need to establish that. Um, the other thing that Jurassic World did was it established that the park has been open for 13 years or 10 years or something like that. Um, and so the park has been open. It's successful. Everything along those lines. Engine is now the successful company um, and they have this facility. So as you assume this global company that is successful, you're going to assume that it has global um, outposts or other facilities or whatnot. But when you go into Fallen Kingdom, the only thing that they acknowledge is, oh, Isla Nublar. Again, it's very, it, you have this big wide open world that you've built and then they're like, oh, never mind. It was just narrow again. So Fallen Kingdom could have happened without Jurassic World. Easily could have happened without. You don't need Jurassic World. For the premise of the island blowing up because of a volcano, that could have been the sequel to Jurassic Park 3. Well, that's the, the public thing. already. The Fallen Kingdom feels like what Jurassic Park 4 well, could have been in the sense yeah. that it's going back to this abandoned island. The first one didn't Fallen Kingdom makes Jurassic place. World wholly irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs> because the things that happen in Jurassic World, because of what they do in Fallen Kingdom, no longer matter. Because they retread the hybrid concept, and they completely toss away everything new that the uh, Jurassic World did for world building. Now, one would think, okay, so what else did Jurassic World achieve? Well, you could say, oh, well, dinosaurs are commonplace in common knowledge. But the thing is, is that's already established in Jurassic Park 3. Everyone know- After the San Diego incident, everyone knew about dinosaurs. And as we can see in Jurassic Park 3... People with not a lot of money could get to these islands, which means there are documentary crews, there are pictures, everything like that. So 
Should sometime after Jurassic Park 3 a volcano be about to erupt on Isla Nublar or Sorna, the public would know and they would still care. So there would still be a debate about rescuing the dinosaurs. So again, I just don't think that it is exactly follows the premise. It kind of makes Jurassic World irrelevant. Likewise, if we're assuming Jurassic World 3 now starts with the dinosaurs being commonplace across the globe, Fallen Kingdom also doesn't set that up. In fact, it makes it by saying these dinosaurs are the last dinosaurs and that Isla Nublar is like the last bastion of dinosaurs and they're not in other places in the world. <laughs> we have to it save makes, them. Or else it, be no it makes the premise of Jurassic World 3 that happens just three years later all the more unbelievable, especially because we see like only 20 dinosaurs get free. Yeah. So that's why I think, in terms of, I don't think Fallen Kingdom is a good movie with those issues aside, but its place in the film universe to me just doesn't work because it makes Jurassic World wholly irrelevant and it fails to set up the premise of what we're told is Jurassic World 3. If the premise of Jurassic World 3 was tracking down the dinosaurs at the end of Fallen Kingdom, then okay, cool. But it's not. We, we, we've been told, Colin's gone on record saying, oh, you know, you can't put it back in the box. That's not what it's about. You know, it's about living with these consequences. And it's like, well, you didn't really set up those consequences for a global, in a global scale. In fact, you made the world so small with Fallen Kingdom that it seems so counterintuitive to where it's going now. So Fallen Kingdom, outside of the fact that I think it's a bad movie, I think that it is entirely antithetical, antithetical to the to the premise of where they're bringing the films and what they followed. It just it doesn't work for me in the grand scheme of things. So that's why I've got the twofold reasons not liking Fallen Kingdom. <laughs> One, I don't think it's the best movie. I think it's beautifully made. I think it has a lot of great ideas. But I also just don't think that it serves the grand story. It doesn't serve what came before. It doesn't serve what comes after. It it just it seems half baked. That's completely so. Fair. Sorry that that was a rant. I'm sorry. No, that was but great it's just, to hear. It's been in my head, and it's because I finally kind deep. of like I've been yeah. think I've been thinking about why it's bothering me so much. So it's like one of those things where I just I don't know. Anyhow, I, mean, I don't but want. But it makes sense. It does make sense. I understand it from that concept. I mean, yeah. I, I've said my view of Fallen Kingdom has always been. You, if you, regardless of those issues you take out that it's a Jurassic movie just as a movie it's a bad movie like it's not yeah. very well made like in terms of as Chris mentioned visually absolutely stunning and, and a lot of love went into that movie but I, I don't personally think Bayona was the right choice I think uh, Fallen Kingdom would have been better if Colin directed it because yeah. I think Bayona yeah. was very much at odds with Colin's vision and didn't fully know how to execute it and so like Bayona struggled to find a tone that made sense with the movie he found to a visual that style Bayona, that place, but to say that Bayona was you know is a huge Spielberg fan as well I, I don't see much of that influence in Fallen Kingdom, it's weird. Uh, but anyway, that that's something else. Dominion is <laughs> exciting me, I have to say. And the IMAX preview um, was the best thing Colin's ever done. So, I mean, what's your view? Have you seen, did you get to see that in IMAX? I did, yeah. I, I'm lucky enough to have an IMAX pretty close to me. So I uh, went and checked it out. It was, it was amazing. I mean, obviously, I wish I could have watched it a million times on the computer and really taken it in, not just seen it the once it, in my theater. Like they they played all the trailers and then they did the like thanks for being an IMAX and then they played the the commercial so like for the first 10, 20 seconds of it I was just like worried it wasn't gonna happen and I wasn't gonna mm-hmm. see it and you know so it it was awesome to see though and I I met another uh, community member who lives uh, near me first time ever meeting like in person and we went to the theater together and saw it so that was oh, a, brilliant. a yeah that was pretty cool and um, yeah it's such a good it's it's so different i mean the first time i went to see i drove to the wrong cinema so it was about (laughs) 
nearly an hour away from me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get these texts from Jack, and I'm just like, I'm like how? <laughs> My way to see Dominion. <laughs> um, but uh, um, yeah, I, I caught it the next night, and uh, yeah, no, it, it just incredible. Like every when I was wait, sat there waiting for it, every time something begun to play, I was like, is that is that? Is this it? <laughs> it's nerve-wracking. It yeah, is nerve-wracking because you hear these stories of people's theaters not playing them. Mm-hmm. And then, like, right before it plays, it's like, thank you for, like, coming. Like, it plays the thing that normally plays right before the movie starts. And you're just like, oh, no. Oh, no. It? <laughs> yeah. And then and then it plays. And you're like, oh, okay. This okay. is really cool. It was. Yeah. It just felt, it felt like such an epic, big, real piece. Uh, it felt like a real piece of a Jurassic movie. And going back 65 million years and actually you know time traveling back and filming that but no but seriously you know film setting something 65 million years ago like why hasn't that been done in this franchise yet it may you know that's that's smart to me i think it's such a brilliant idea especially as the 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 final movie you know the ending one that at least ends this trilogy and as they always say it's meant to bring all the ideas from the first one like full circle having that and setting a scene that 65 million years ago it was, it was incredible and the everything about it has improved from the first two even ilm's animations the compositing the cinematography everything about it was so much better than the first two that it really gives me a lot of hope for dominion the directing the cinematography the visuals the way that the animals are directed and act like animals it really sells it i still have the issues with the anachronisms that it uh does you know and it i sort of do think that it lacks a little bit of a singular vision like what is it trying to achieve is it trying to give us the origin story of the t-rex is it trying to introduce us to the Giganotosaurus, or is it trying to set up a grudge match, cool. grudge match between the Giganot? But that, exactly, it, cinematically, it doesn't achieve. It doesn't have one singular vision. It's sort of messy in that sense, and because of that, it also with without that one singular vision, it also throws away the concept of these dinosaurs in their time were different. They were real back then, but now, so it it, it just changes the rule book entirely. So. If it does end up being true that it's out of the final film, I am kind of happy. Like, I think it's beautifully shot, and I hope that it's always, I hope it's on the Blu-ray, I hope it's released, I think everything like that. But I think its story is confused. It didn't know what it wanted to be. Um, It would be fine up until that final battle, but then it's just like, I was sort of like, is it the origin story? If the point was to establish the battle, you know, there's obviously going to be a a Giga versus T-Rex in the film. Um, Yeah. You do, I personally, yeah, that was the one bit in that IMAX preview that was unnecessary. You, you don't, that, you don't need to establish that. We've already well, seen the T Rex. Will... It starts from nowhere. You just all of a sudden they just start fighting. You're like, why are they fighting there? Like, why? But um, why is that iguanodon standing behind them, like between them, chilling up until that? Last... Yeah, yeah. Just watching. Um, like, but none of that ruined it for me. I, I thought the scene was fantastic, and probably other than, I mean, like obviously completely different but safety not guaranteed is like colin's best movie Mm -hmm. and then i think this is his best jurassic something um i was a big fan of big rock too battle of big rock but this um, feels like it evolved from that yeah in the best possible way definitely i and i guess you guys were going to answer the one question i had but i'm still unaware if that sequence is is it planned for the film we don't really know yet right we're not entirely sure if it's going to it was made for the film. Um, there was an interview with Colin and uh, Steve Brissetti, and we're not sure if it made the final cut or not. I know that uh, as of their screenings, the cuts they had over the summer, it was not in the movie. So I'd wager that it's not in the movie. I think we'll know whether or not it's in the movie if it releases online in okay. full 
Um, I think that if it releases online in full any time before like a month before the movie or two months before the movie, that means it's probably not in the movie. If it doesn't release online in full, that means they probably put it back in the movie. I think that's yeah. going to be our answer on that and one. I, I do is... think either way, they need to put it back in, in theaters because obviously the IMAX thing, it, I, I understand the concept. I understand getting people back in cinemas, but unfortunately not everybody has an IMAX. And if you're an idiot, you'll mm. drive to the wrong one anyway. So <laughs> I do think like they should they should bring it back and they should do a, just a week's run or even just a weekend, but put it on something that that's releasing. It should have been on Halloween Kills. You know, Probably, yeah. just 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 ahead of it, and just let people get excited. It shouldn't um, have been IMAX only. This movie wasn't shot in IMAX. Um, <laughs> no, no, and also that scene should have been IMAX because it looked so goddamn good. Like they should have shot well, it's Socotra, wasn't it? The location yeah. for that. So Which they, ironically, yeah. it was all second unit. Yeah, <laughs> really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the best cinematography in the whole of Dominion. It's all second unit. <laughs> yeah, that was all second unit. Now I'm sure that they followed very tight plan that was already yeah yeah, there was it was probably very tightly pre-planned and everything before that but yeah that was was all second unit um the cinematographer colin nobody was out there for that it was uh it was a egyptian team i think entirely that handled that uh, entire sequence um so so it was sort of a very unique yeah it was sort of a very unique team that handled that all um which is interesting yeah Yeah, but so you're you're excited for dominion Oh yeah, I I can't wait. I you know I think we're all on pins and needles for a trailer sometime here soon. So that's uh, <laughs> that's what I'm waiting for for the Fingers for the crossed. most part here. Yeah, we got a game coming and uh, you know more Camp Cretaceous. So it's got to be eventually, yeah. right? Have you been keeping <laughs> up with Camp Cretaceous? Oh yeah, I, I love Camp Cretaceous. I I know you guys uh, a little down on the second season, but the first mm-hmm. one and three fans of and. I across the board, I've liked them. Two is a, a little, you know, I, I can see where you're coming from, but is is a kid's show and you know being Jurassic. I think I have a blast with it. I've watched it more than once, so yeah, that's <laughs> that's, that's the thing. Right. I mean, I, I think my my view of it was uh, it, it can't really be tainted. It's it's a kid show, and and it will always be a kid show. But I, I went into it knowing that and ended up really, really enjoying it and really enjoying the Jurassic nods that it gave to the mm-hmm. original trilogy. And e- even in season three, like it was full of them and they're really well executed. Like they the are. stuff they talk about before they go to the visitor center. That is season three, right? Yeah. Season yes. Three, the yes. Center. Um, when uh, oh, the rumor of Hammond. John Hammond's death and, and I was like, that's the novel death. And that's so like. They knew what they're talking about, and that's yeah. just great. Like, like that's really nice treatment for the franchise. And again, while it's not exactly what I want to see, I want like a live action something that's more Definitely. mature, more adult. Or, um, I think it's so successful and it's so good. And season three was so much fun. Um, this franchise really is back. And again, while it's not exactly like what I want to be seeing, I'm just happy that Jurassic is everywhere. I like walking around and seeing the Jurassic World logo because I'm like, awesome. that's you know, <laughs> well, that's Jurassic. I, the- yeah, I fully love Camp Cretaceous, but one thing I think that I'd like to see handled differently with animation in the future is do a little bit what Star Wars does, where like just because it's animation and for kids so-and-so or whatnot doesn't necessarily mean the characters need to be kids. Star Wars has a really great history of like Star Wars, um, the Clone Wars, or Star Wars Rebels, or Bad Batch, full disclaimer, I haven't seen Bad Batch, um, I haven't finished Clone Wars yet, mm-hmm. but like what I've seen in Clone Wars, it's handled really well. My issue is it's sort of uh, an anthology series before it finds its tighter arcs, which makes it a little harder for me to keep up with. But um, I So I like, basically though, with Star Wars, the Clone Wars, is you're following adult characters, you're following the themes in the movies, where... 
with Jurassic, they still seem to have that antiquated view of like, oh, it's a cartoon, it's for kids, we need to make the main characters kids. Um, and it's like, they're sort of, they sort of do the same things with like the novel tie-ins, like the evolution of Claire and whatnot. It's like, they, they still handle some of the world building in an antiquated um, pre-cinematic universe way of like, we're, you know, they're trying to make it's everything connected. Yeah. But but they're sort of handling everything differently. But that's not necessarily a con- complaint about the tone of Camp Cretaceous. It's just how long can you make a story of campers surviving on their exactly. own when it's just a group of kids? Without how parents long you, trying to go rescue and them. How long can you keep yeah. that story truly canon? Do you know what I mean? Without like really jumping, jumping yeah. the shark too many times, which I think season two did quite a bit but also season two just sort of lacked direction it didn't really it was a middling season it's like sort season of season two like, was definitely like just like biding its time delay. to get yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. definitely in fact there have been leaks and it's nothing that we're going to talk about something that we have talked about but there are leaks of what season two was originally going to be and it was originally very different um interesting it was, it was no, i think it the definitely dominion delay really plot. did mess with things the same with um i think it messed with evolution two a little bit and i think they had to scramble um, a lot of different things together to try and not spoil Dominion tie-ins because I think mm-hmm. Camp Cretaceous Season 4 and Evolution 2 I think is going to reveal it's not going to spoil Dominion in any way but I think it's going to reveal a lot more about the plot and what we kind of can expect to see so that'll be interesting and it's an interesting point Chris yeah, about, about the sort of aiming at the kid audiences because there's so much Lego stuff. There's so many Lego shorts. They're already they're already going for that audience. (sighs) That I think that, and they're mainly targeting super fans and young, like young, like teens to young adults with Camp Cretaceous. Anyhow, that I'm fine with Camp Cretaceous being what it is. But what I am worried is Universal is always going to handle animated by like having kids be like the star of the show. Where it's like you could easily have something like Camp Cretaceous have the tone, have the same audience interested in it, interested in it, but like have paleontologists or like yeah. dino wranglers as your lead characters, um, or Jurassic World employees and whatnot. Dave and so, Roxy. like my one worry is they will continue to handle it in like that antiquated sort of 90s way where it's like you've got like the kids leading the show and like next like they're taking the lead from the adult characters because it's a cartoon and it's kids <laughs> and it just it does sort of feel like universal has a little bit more of an antiquated handling of their side stories um but at the same time the team behind camp cretaceous has done an excellent job executing on it and it still feels jurassic but the longer you kind of do that the harder it's going to be without like kind of breaking some of the rules i think season four will switch things up a lot i think so where do you think season four will go i you know for the longest time it was it's i was thinking sort of like everybody else um you know with the the new teaser right we're all a little up in the air on what a a new island could mean but i'm i still think it's a new island to the campers so I, i i hope they don't introduce another island like we talked about earlier on just the fact that some people think that you know Lost World and JP3 are not even part of the canon, like this is the perfect place. It's, Take them there. Take them to Sorna. Come on. It's <laughs> important. It's important for a lot of reasons. But I've talked. I talked about a little bit about it on Twitter, where I'm like, why? Why I think people are so uh, drawn to Sorna, and it's it's connective tissue to these past films. But also, it's sort of a chance for these Jurassic World stories and characters, and I mean, Jurassic Park stories and characters and dinosaurs to sort of live on in the Jurassic World era because Jurassic World has recontextualized Nublar, it's recontextualized what's on Nublar. So a lot of those old concepts of things that people wanted to see 
no long it can no longer be on nublar sort of is done but if if you revisit sorna and you tie it all together that gives an opportunity to bring some like just to bring it into the modern era bring some of the jurassic park era elements into the modern era and say that they persist and i think that's one of the reasons why also it's going to be nostalgic for the old school fans and for new fans who don't know about sorna guess what it's just new to them Exactly. So it's win-win. It's win-win. You're you're gonna appease the the original, you know, super fans, the old school fans, and you're still giving new content to the new fans. If you have the JP3 Raptors or the JP3 Pteranodons, they're these awesome things for these old school fans, and it also makes the world a lot bigger. It bring makes the sort of universe actually have lore. But then for the new fans, it's like, oh shit, what are these new things? So it's win-win, really, no matter how maybe, you look at um, it. Maybe they get split up. So maybe they do go to sauna. And half of the kids end up getting whisked away and taken somewhere else. The remaining kids stay on sauna and meet up with Dave and Roxy. Maybe there's like a dual story happening there. Because I, if, if I feel like if they go to sauna, we ain't staying there long. A couple of episodes I, I, at, at most, and then I. Feel I like definitely agree. I think I think the teaser tried to establish that. I think that that's why there was that shot of the desert. I think they absolutely know everyone's like sauna, and. Yeah. I think that shot of the desert in the teaser is like, oh, shoot. we Because even if it is on Sorna, I think they're like, oh, shoot, we better not set the hopes too high for like a season exploring the secrets of Sorna. Because well, there was a elsewhere. leak the other day that, that by all accounts was based on on not true information. Oh, oh you mean the, the thing yesterday? <laughs> yeah, they, they sort of some uh, partner of Universal revealed that the location is is site b but it didn't really read as if it was official and no in fact in fact they said i mean they, they said hey listen we didn't announce that we actually just thought the plot was out there we googled it we're like what the, the <laughs> i wonder where like, they got it from then i wonder like they just, they're like we just wanted something for camp cretaceous season four on our website because we knew it was coming and we blah blah, blah. They're like so we just googled it and saw that everyone's saying it's on sorna so we just thought that was the announcement our bad <laughs> Because so, it said, uh, I think it, it read like um, the kids return to Site B. I'm like, they've they've never been, been there. Been there yeah. <laughs> but um, okay, so let's let's talk aftermath. So aftermath is a VR game. You have a bit of experience with VR, but um, you you played through both parts one and part two, right? I have, yes. I'm a I'm a big fan of both of them, and like you said, I I do know a little bit about uh, VR. Um, so I, I thought maybe I could come on and you know try to try to give some tips or pointers to new players. Maybe it would make the experience a little more fun. Cause I know Chris was running into some, some VR, you know, uh, setup and just experience like level type things outside of maybe the game, but you know, the equipment too. So, you know, I, I thought maybe I could lend a lend a hand, uh, talk so, through it so because what's your experience with, with VR. So I mean, the yeah. Kaiju VR game. Yeah, so I'll pitch that real quick here. Um, it's uh, it's called Blockbuster. Um, I'm creative director on this, so it's a, a company that I've been um, co-owner of since uh, 2014. We've we started in film. We made a series that's on Amazon or was on Amazon. Now it's on Tubi. It's called Like Them, um, and we transitioned to doing 3D work uh, a couple of years later, which led to having a team that uh, kind of had the capabilities to do a game. And um, we, me being the person that I am loving Jurassic Park and also Godzilla, like large, you know, monster movies, not that Jurassic Park's a monster movie, but like in that. Oh, it vein. is now, but yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah. Sad, in, in some ways, sadly. Uh, but. <laughs> 
Um, so we, we decided, what could we do here? Like, what's a game that, you know, would be in that vein, but still fun and accessible. So we landed on, um, like an action arcade kaiju experience where you're a monster destroying cities, um, trying to get through the levels, uh, under a time limit while also looking for items like hidden amongst the rubble of the city. Um, so you can unlock new playable characters and new uh, weapons to use and new levels to go to. Um, we're getting close to our uh, early access release, so that'll be within the next month. And there'll be three levels and two characters, um, a lizard, kind of Godzilla-y, and then a, uh, a crab monster, uh, Claw Daddy, and... Uh, his actual <laughs> kaiju name is Clotastrophe. Um, so you actually cosplay as these monsters. The whole concept is you're imagining um, being the the guy in the rubber suit, right? In the old Toho <laughs> movies, destroying the cities. Um, so you have your persona as the cosplayer, as well as like the creatures that you're kind of idolizing. Um, so those are the two you're going to have to start. And then you're going to be able to destroy our version of um, San Francisco, um, uh, Mount Fuji and then um, New York in like the 30s and it's like black and white and uh, you get to oh, do wow. a kind of tower climb in the end you know our our homage to you know what do you got in there King Kong <laughs> oh, so, uh, that's so cool. Yeah. so yeah it's exciting we're uh we've been working on it for around two years now so it's uh, a labor of love but it's uh it's coming together so I would appreciate anybody who wants the- to on the yeah. Oculus platform or um so we are an indie team and we're aiming to get it on the Oculus but we have not um you know made it through all of the processes to get there yet uh that's why we're going into early access to try to start uh gaining some you know backing um get some interest in the game so anybody who's listening that you know has played uh Aftermath and has a quest um it'll be available on the side quest which if you know a little bit about the headset it's a store that is not um, officially through Oculus, but is available to load in um, indie developer games. So that's where we'll be at first. And um, eventually, hopefully, you know, right there next to Aftermath, that would be the uh, ultimate goal. Yeah, that'd so, be a great goal. Awesome. So yeah. with your experience as a creative director on, on, on your own VR game, um, what is your view of Aftermath? Okay, yeah, I'll jump in. And uh, I, I would say... As a, an experience overall, I, I loved it. I'm more on Asisa's a side of the argument from the last few uh, episodes. Um, <laughs> I do time. think, <laughs> yeah, it, it seemed like it, and I and I I was happy to hear it. Um, I I appreciate that it's not a park builder as much as I love um, you know those games. I, I'm excited for Evolution Two, and I I still own Operation Genesis and play it occasionally. So Um, I love those games, but it's nice to be breaking away from that. Right. And I I do agree with you, Chris, like I wish there were more, you know, bigger party titles, but in my mind, I I do appreciate that universal is, is trying to back, you know, this technology, it is new. And I think like a property like Jurassic does bring people to like a, a technology um much like oculus i know you guys had mentioned there being some star wars games on there mm-hmm. uh to me like that's pretty high honors like you know it, it really is only right now jurassic and star wars that are kind of trying to get people to you know come to this new technology this new gaming platform um so i you know it is just going to show that jurassic you know it, even if they're not 
doing what we exactly want. They they're they're trying to expand to you know what could potentially be next because that's what I really wanted to talk about with the quest. Um, it is the first of its kind. I do know, like Chris, um, I think you had mentioned. Did you do the um, bot, or a Dave and Buster's like VR? Yeah, yeah. That's and so really, that's cool. really cool. It's very very cool. Very very cool. Photo real, which is the Jurassic mm-hmm. one, or just mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, yeah, I don't know no, if it's still awesome. there, but it was around the Fallen Kingdom time. So you you were able to check it out as well, Jack? Or I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, so we I saw it at Josh and Jen's wedding. We met them first at Dave and Buster's, not on the wedding day. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, but, uh, <laughs> it was a couple of nights before, but yeah, we played the Jurassic Park Viago. I had my mind blown. I was I was I was very impressed by that. Yeah, and so I mean those those are amazing, undoubtedly. But you know that is a a, a specifically built experience that is not um interacted with really in any way right you're on a on a a track you're put in a headset and it's it's meant to play over and over the same thing every experience um and and which is awesome it's amazing and it it felt like you were getting chased by the dinosaurs in the movie but where the quest comes in is it's it's essentially when you think about it you should think about it as a cell phone um you really are playing a mobile game when you're playing on the quest just the processing power and um kind of what's in the headset itself and that's not to you know say uh, not as a negative it's just that is the case just uh, in order to fit it into the the size uh, machine that it, it needs to play on it had to be um that kind of processing power so with wanting photo real um you know i'm there with you i want to i want to avoid the t-rex and you know do all those things but it's just not quite there yet so i i really i really appreciate aftermath art style um and i know it sounded i don't want to speak for you chris i'm just trying to recap the stuff that i remember you talking about but it did seem like you know that was a thing that was kind of putting you off right it wasn't jurassic because it didn't look like the dinosaurs um in a way it yeah i there's a lot of issues at play with me for aftermath that i enjoyed it but i found playing it to be a little difficult a little restrictive um and i felt that it just never fully lived up to its potential and yeah, I don't expect it to necessarily be entirely photoreal, but I think like looking at what the Star Wars games have done with their visuals is probably a better goal, especially for Definitely. a property with Jurassic where you know that they have a high budget, and you know that they have the ability to really push that that the limits as far as they can. And I think like one of the things is just for one thing, even if the graphics aren't entirely realistic, I think that what would have really helped is even if they weren't realistic, if the art style was still Jurassic. The thing is they remix the art style and then other things like, you know, just because they, the animation's a little stiff, so it's like this sort of semi-cell-shaded look. Um, so getting this a raptor snarling in your face really isn't a raptor snarling in your face type of deal. You know, they're not really utilizing the concept of, wow, you're really looking at a raptor. You're looking at this sort of blocky, cartoony, stiff-like raptor. So there's a lot of cool things to it, and the art style just doesn't seem like, to me, in my opinion... It doesn't. It's not really utilizing VR. You know, the idea is to bring you into this world, but I'm. It's not yeah. bringing me into that world because they completely changed it up. Like, I mean, even their T Rex looks. If I didn't know it was a Jurassic T Rex, I wouldn't know it was a Jurassic T Rex. Same with the Raptors. If I didn't know they're Jurassic Raptors, I wouldn't know they're Jurassic Raptors because they're just. Yeah. You know, 
graphical limitations aside, the art style is just completely. It just it feels like the wrong art style for VR, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Hey, and that's totally fair. You know, like that's uh, how everybody's going to experience the game as their own unique, you know, take on it, right? Well, I guess the wrong art style for Jurassic VR. I like a lot. I've played a lot of VR games that are uh, stylized. I think they're fantastic. Yeah. Um, but when you're going into, you know, explore Isla Nublar, go to Jurassic World. It's like, okay, we'll make it look like Isla Nublar, make it look like Jurassic World um, is sort of my, my takeaway there. Um, yeah. But like some games that are super stylized, like Super Hot, that's a cool game. It's a really <laughs> fun game. And the visuals look so slick, um, even though they're obviously not photoreal at all. Yeah, but, um, no, you're you're right on there. And I, I, I there's no argument to make. I mean, I, I'm totally with you. I, the Raptors... Although not JP Raptors, it, it more felt like, you know, I'm playing with dinosaurs, you know, like maybe yeah. not exactly the Jurassic dinosaurs. And I can see all of that. Um, and it, it does ultimately come down, in my opinion, to it being not a PC VR game. I think you would have got exactly what you wanted if it was PC VR, but it was just being on the quest. It's a it's a toss up between the, the, the Star Wars stuff, which does look good, but it does look ps2 level you know playstation playstation 2 that's generally kind of the way i i, I try to say the graphics um come out uh, when we're discussing things but it's it it's the question of do you want like operation genesis dinosaurs chasing you or do you want these you know more stylized maybe less jurassic dinosaurs and i think Assis was saying last week that he would just play and go you know i'm fully committing right i'm just in here and then just kind of let that go by the wayside and then it you don't notice it as much but i you're you're completely you know spot on with the 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 actual assets not being necessarily jurassic my other issue is it's just it's sort of like the light version of the game everyone's been asking for you know what i mean it's like alien isolation mobile edition um (laughs) but in vr and like so the vr capabilities are super cool um, but it's hard to use them to their fullest extent unless you have a play space um, because this game is really built in these large playing areas, which means like a lot of v- other VR games are smart about how they utilize their play space. Um, but for Jurassic, with the way that you need to be moving quick on a dime mm-hmm. and you need these large play spaces, it becomes a lot harder to play. Where other VR games, sometimes you don't need your, your precise running around mo- motions aren't as needed now obviously there's other ways to play you can play it with a controller or things like that but to play it to its fullest extent you sort of need a wide safe play space yeah. um, where other games again they, they change the flow of their gameplay to accommodate most people's living spaces that they're going to be playing in I, I feel like jurassic world aftermath is a cool idea but your average person probably can't get the most out of the experience in the 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 average core gamer is going to want more of a traditional fully fledged core experience. So it's, it's like, it's trying to appease two different crowds rather than just like committing to VR, I guess is sort of where I'm at with it. If that makes sense. I could see that. And I mean, it sounds like you do play other games on your quest. So, you know, like the guardian system and the best ways (laughs) to kind of, you know, move within it. That if, if you're a new to VR, like say after master first game, um, it, the Guardian system does take a bit of getting used to. It, it, it is the reason that uh, our company specifically was so excited about the Quest because you do have that freedom to actually, you know, run in place, do the things you're kind of saying, mm-hmm. d- you know, dodge and all this stuff. Because if you're playing PC or VR any other way, you're generally tethered, right? So 
Um, that it's that- really cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's really cool. I think my biggest issue is this Jurassic World just wants you to have way too large of play spaces to utilize the Guardian yeah. system to its fullest extent. I think is just you know my house and most houses I've been in, most apartments I've been in don't have that type of play space, especially because you got tables and couches and everything else like within yeah. your play space. So and yes, you can draw the Guardian around it, but it gets a little difficult with those fast moments where you want to throw yourself out of the way of a raptor or a duck and next thing you know, you're smacking against. So yeah, you hit a wall <laughs> or something like that. So it's just one of those things where it's like the gameplay doesn't work super hot. You know, you kind of like walk through it. You feel like you're Neo and you, you know, you play. You know, <laughs> yeah, it, there's just games that like your movement speed, everything slows down and then you can just walk through it. But in Jurassic World Aftermath, if things go wrong, you got to get in that locker faster. You're dead, yeah, type of and, deal. Or you yeah. got to get underneath that table, and it's just like it's difficult. It's a really cool idea, but it's harder to play to its fullest extent. In my, at least in my experience, it was. Yeah, yeah, and it's all about without like learning con- the controls and the best ways to move. Because when I first started playing, I was doing the real world stuff, just like you're mm-hmm. describing, right? Ducking and going under stuff, and like being like, "Man, my knees hurt. Like I'm hiding." <laughs> yeah. You know, like. And, like and then, sweating like getting yeah. a workout <laughs> exactly and, and you can play it that way but uh when i played part two because that's how i played part one and then when i got part two um i actually just set up a stationary guardian and i used just joysticks i would i would move in place but i wouldn't run because that you do run into a lot of issues there um so i i wanted to make a suggestion to you chris if you do play and uh you don't have it on um one of the things that really helps with the Guardian system is uh, a feature in the, the settings where you can put on a glanceable Guardian. So while you're in the game, if you look at the floor, you can actually see where your Guardian is within the game without um, interacting with it. So it really helps to orientate yourself for things like you're saying, if you want to actually be able to run and um, you know hide and do the things like actually within the environment. That does help. You know, I just wanted to make sure to point that out because it's not a thing they, they necessarily let people know is available. So it helps yeah. for smaller places. I'll look into it. I think one of the fun things was playing that game. Like you draw your guardian so you can like walk around through the limitations of it. And sometimes like point off the headset and being like, oh, I'm in my kitchen right now. Because yeah, I would draw my guardian through the entire safe space of my house. Like I would really utilize every, you know, you'd have these narrow choke points and these wide open rooms and stuff like that. And sometimes it was funny, like, you know, I'm like, oh, I need a break. And I pull off my headset. I'm like, oh, I'm in the bathroom? <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's just like one of those funny things. Like it is really interesting, like how you're, you get fully immersed into immersed. this world. That's why I would love just to have like a wide open space that I could just draw like a nice big cubic guardian and I don't have to worry about anything and I can just explore these game worlds and uh but yeah, it's just it's it's hard unfortunately I don't have I don't have access yeah. to anything like that. I think Jurassic needs to do a, a void uh, experience like Star Wars has, where it is exactly what you're describing. Like, yeah, like a haunted house in VR essentially, right? Where you can walk through oh, it and run. And that would be cool. It would definitely. I mean, there's a lot. Be, I mean, if honestly, it's Jurassic Park. It should be Lockwood Manor, and then you have, you know, yeah, in the basement, in, see. in yeah. the Raptor, or, or <laughs> other things in there as well. Well, I I would love just a VR set visit. Uh, like that would be very app. cool. Yeah. Something that it's like not super inter- interactable, but you can walk through the set and see the you know the skeletons up close or the stands up close or things like that. Or I mean, hell, see Jurassic World through VR. You know, just go and 
view the T-Rex feeding experience. And there's a lot of opportunities for VR. And I always thought Jurassic World was a great fit for it. But I thought it was more of like bringing the park to life, bringing these attractions that were theme park attractions and letting us like actually go there. Um, But I think we're going to make it. I think we're going to make it, Chris, at some point. You know, I, you know, it is just the beginning, right, of, of kind of this technology, mm-hmm. trying to get people into it. So uh, even before this game, they had, uh, you guys probably know about it, but like one of those cell phone Jurassic World VR experiences where you could slide mm-hmm. it into the, like a... Oh, Samsung. Uh, was it the Samsung? Apatosaurus. Well, they had that, but they had a full on game. Well, it was... Um, it was a company that made it. You got oh. like a controller. It, it was it was really really bad. Oh, <laughs> I do remember this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like Irv or something maybe. Cool. Um, yeah, I think that's what it was. Yeah, so they've been trying. They really have. I mean, clearly it's something that somebody at Universal is is into. They want VR to be you know Jurassic related. So I, I have my fingers crossed that someday we're gonna get that photo real tour of the you know of the island. It yeah i mean yet <laughs> yeah i just i think there's a lot of opportunity for vr i love vr and i've loved a lot of vr games just for whatever reason and i, I mean i played aftermath i liked aftermath um but it hasn't been enough now that i had those difficulties getting into aftermath too i haven't necessarily had that fomo from it um yeah but you definitely just, need to play part two chris yeah i, I i've got, i really need to charge it and just play it um yeah, he said it's he's going to set up cameras really around is. his house so that the outposts, yeah, and everyone can just can film, can watch. That'd be awesome. Yeah, running, <laughs> running around the house, bumping into walls. Boom. <laughs> that is <laughs> part of the fun. Dodging a raptor and smacking <laughs> his head into the fridge. <laughs> My cousin who lives with me, just like walking by, like with a cup of coffee, like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, trying to stay your way a little bit, chucking things in your direction. <laughs> but uh, part one, yeah, just seeing, like, see if I can dodge it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Brent. Part one, part two. Which um, which uh, part did you enjoy the most? Um, I would say two. Um, again, I, I mentioned earlier uh, the T Rex is kind of my uh, my biggest uh, dinosaur. Like my, I'm a biggest fan of that dinosaur. So he, the, it, it or she actually plays a role um, in that game uh, more so than the first or in part two more so than part one. And the mechanics they used for the gameplay for the T Rex. In VR, were just I don't know. I didn't expect it. Um, and I, do you guys mind if I kind of talk through it a little bit? I think Assis might have brought it up, but when, when you encounter the T Rex, um, you actually your her vision is based on movement, which for VR is um, you know perfect. You actually have to remain still and and not move a muscle when it's approaching you or around you. And you know, I felt like Alan Grant, man, and it, it, it's something <laughs> awesome. I wanted, you know, since a kid, right? Uh, it's visions based on movement, and then having it actually a playable mechanic in a video game, uh, you know, that really sold me. I know it's a simple thing, right? I mean, there's plenty of other aspects of the game that were a lot of fun, but uh, it was just a kind of like a, a dream come true moment, right? Like, I get mm-hmm. to do this? Oh, my God, it's, it's, the Rexy's right there. And yeah, so it's that was cool. And Chris, I hope really you get to cool experience idea. that. Yeah, no, I mean, that sounds really fun. Um, are there any, like, did, did any of the lore feel significant? Like, any of the story or the lore? Because, like, you know, obviously part one ends with this big kind of cliffhanger. And what they seem to say sounds like it would be significant that Blue was bred for Parthenogenesis. You know, Blue was bred to be capable of asexual breeding. So, like, that feels important. Is there other elements in part two that also feel important? 
So um, they didn't really follow up on the part. The, I, I'm not going to say the word because you're always good with the scientific terms there, Chris. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, uh, I they don't really follow that up as much as maybe I would have liked. But they do go into um, a bit of the Raptor training that was going on pre Owen. So like um, how they were getting them to react to sounds and certain things, which I thought was interesting. Um, and then one of the um, kind of cooler things that you can gleam from emails within the game is that uh like why exactly dr wu didn't have blue's dna after jurassic world which is like a question i've kind of always had like you see him leave in the helicopter with the briefcase like you'd think that's what he would have grabbed right like blue and dominus rex let's get out of here like that's what i need but apparently um the nms which uh is the name of the research station in the game uh which stands for um our MNS, so Mount, or sorry, North something. North Mount Sebo is what it stands for. So NMS, uh, which I didn't know, at least in the first part, and I found out later, I thought that was kind of interesting. So at least this facility is on the north side of the volcano, so very far north on the island. So it is feasible that, you know, it hadn't been interacted with either in Camp Cretaceous or the movies. Um, but getting back to what I was saying about Wu, uh, Apparently, after he took off, off on the helicopter in Jurassic World, he went to the NMS Center um, to get Blue's DNA, but Blue's DNA was locked in a like cryogenic uh, storage facility at the center, and um, the, the uh, employees had already been evacuated, and he had no ability to get into the lab to get it. Um, you know, it's a pretty basic thing, but at least in my mind that it's a nice little kind of so raptors are basically like their their security protocols kept raptor dna in a different location yeah and like a different, a different team from like a lot of the other dna exactly so um i thought that was interesting um the the main well the character you're speaking with um you know she has some fun ties to hammond i think you guys might have mentioned mm -hmm. and then um you know, uh, the the Ian Malcolm dialogue, in my opinion, was some of the best stuff we've had from him, you know, since Lost World. I, I wasn't like we talked the biggest fan of his cameo in uh, Fallen Kingdom. Mm -hmm. So it was cool to actually hear Ian Malcolm again. At least that's what it felt like to me. Um, and the way they wrap up the story, I won't say entirely because I, you might actually end up playing it. And somebody, you know, I'm sure there are plenty of listeners that haven't yet. But it, it wraps up in a way where you are on a mission to get Blue's DNA, but the fact that, you know, Fallen Kingdom, you know, they don't have it yet, that makes sense. I'll, that's all I'll say. So um, I appreciated that as well, because they very easily could have just been like, well, you got it, and you, you know, and, and then you was, win. Well, how does this tie tie in <laughs> yeah. at all? So, yeah, yeah, no, that's good. It sounds like uh, it sounds like it, it, it can it could be canon, right? Considered canon. Uh, works within the universe. Obviously, the art style is drastically different, but it's it's a VR game. Um, it, yeah, I, I'm hoping at some point to have the experience to play it. I'd like to play that game. That that does bring me to the one thing though is sometimes like the idea of all these things being canon. It it always feels uh, half baked because Camp Cretaceous doesn't like you know mention the NMS at least. Like you don't necessarily need to have a plot line involved in it, but like but is that NMS where we went in season three? But like th that's the thing. The well, that's just the thing. It doesn't look anything like it. The NMS was so, like Camp Cretaceous doesn't talk about the NMS. It doesn't talk about these other raptors that are you know existing on the island. Uh, nor does 
this game talk about things that are in Camp Cretaceous, nor do either one of those talk about the program that the Troodon was in the live tour and vice versa. So the thing is, all these like side stories feel like they could be canon, but they all seem to have these intersecting concepts that also just don't intersect. You know what I mean? You're like, sort of like, why isn't this mentioned or why don't we see this? And that's where Jurassic is. And this is its own argument. And this has nothing to do with the game itself because it's really on universal. Um, But none of these ideas are intersecting. None of these ideas are tying together in a way that would really be cool if they began to tie in together. Even if like the The, plot It would help make them canon as well because as you just said, yeah, Aftermath has velociraptors which aren't the raptor squad. So, I mean, the kids would have encountered them at some point in Camp Cretaceous. So, yeah, I guess there is some clashes there. It's cool because they even put lore. Like there's a reason why the raptors, quote unquote, look different. There's a reason why they're smaller. They're bred to look different bread to look small uh to be smaller um there there are a lot of things like that and i think it just would have been cool even the kids are like when they're looking at the maps like oh you got the nms up there you know something like that they're like oh yeah it does exist just little elements that tie it all together would have gone so far especially again when a lot of these you know dr Wu secret experiments and like you keep hearing about all these dr Wu secret experiments but there seems to be like no synergy between them on each of these sub sub programs so that's something i think jurassic could do a better job on but again that's on universal that's on universal probably not having a dedicated story team for jurassic so and we're already for guide- that we're here yeah. for that <laughs> yeah that's they've it. got these that's guidelines it. but not necessarily they got these guidelines to make sure that all these side stories stay within the canon, but they don't necessarily have anybody helping connecting the tissue of all these now, these new side stories. All these and they side have a stories. a lot of them now. And yeah. they have a lot, and they're all a lot of fun, right? So, And they all feel like they could be canon until do. you start realizing that they're crossing over similar territory, but not like referencing these other side stories. Like there's no mm-hmm. intersecting that's happening. That's where it starts to go, like, but is it canon? Or is it you soft know, canon? I feel. I feel like uh, in terms of VR, the there's a the Trespasser video game would work so well on that. Board. I think that, I don't know if you guys stacking today. boxes. Yeah, it yeah. could work. I mean, they uh, they just announced today that they're doing uh, uh, San, Grand Andreas. Th- uh, San Andreas on Oculus. I just saw um, it on your oh, really? Feed. I was and, like, and, and they just released Resident Evil, which was also PlayStation Two. You know, it, it was. At, um, was that game because that's actually the one Jurassic Park game I've never played. I know you guys You've talk about never it all the time. Trespasser. I, I oh need to play God. Trespasser. Was you that PlayStation well, One or two? It wasn't. PC. It was PC only. Oh, I, PC I don't even only. know if they had plans. In- the guy who developed it, the the head developer or whatever, um, he actually in, helped. He was part of the invention team for the Xbox. So I don't know if Trespasser okay. influenced the Xbox in any way, but either way, um, yeah, no, it was PC only. But that. Unfortunately, like Trespasser, Trespasser, the way it plays, you, you almost play it as if you're in a VR headset, the way it's so so violent and like, you know, it feels yeah, like you're controlling it VR. Very much, it very much does. It's like you're trying to do VR controls, but like on a mouse and keyboard that weren't like optimized properly. Yeah. Um, because you even your play. hand, your hand is independent of your looking. So you'll move your hand around like this <laughs> so and it's independent of the screen, but it's very yeah. VR like where you feel like you're, then your looking should be to the headset and then your hand is tied it feels very vr like but it's it's like it's yeah. weird but it would actually work way better in vr unfortunately i, I don't see it ever really doing well it because you it's very um navigate like you can only really you can go back on yourself but it's not like fully open world so you can't you really do have to follow a sort of designated path and because it's so it's such an old game very early to do that kind of open world thing 
that they were attempting. Uh, I you just, know, the dinosaur encounters are very much like you walk past a point and then it begins and then you leave the area kind of thing. You know, it is very yeah. like, oh, I'm going to look at this dinosaur and then you move on. Except for the yeah, raptors, cool. which is just like... <laughs> They're like jumping. Yeah. But um, unfortunately, it, the game was very expensive. The game was very expensive to make. And then the studio had a release date that it forced on the studio. The studio wasn't done with the game. The game released in an unpolished, broken state. So I don't ever see that game coming back because it was a very expensive failure for the studio. It was a there was a lot that it did right. And there's a lot to be proud of in that game. But it released in an unpolished state. And it was sort of like this hugely failed exper experiment that cost a lot of money unfortunately yeah, yeah. is ultimately what it came down to so i just don't see them ever like revisiting it unfortunately no, it would have to be a fan of... studio or independent studio that like tries to port that game to vr or something could you imagine i know that like through trescom uh, they've made the game more playable as, as Derek said um, mm -hmm. when we last spoke with him uh, they make the game more playable they make it more on but I'm pretty sure they have all the original source code and everything so I think there is a, mm -hmm. there must be a way to kind of port develop yeah. that game for VR maybe um, maybe that's something that the, uh, the company you're working yeah. with it, you never know there you be, go. <laughs> I mean it's one of those things that would be cool it would be I mean I, I would love to see Universal re you know there's amazing Richard Attenborough um, I know. voiceover in that game and there's some really cool concepts and i think that with some slight reworking of some of the more outdated sort of 90s era like the health bar being on like the cleavage tattoo i think if you put it to an arm tattoo things like that maybe make it a little less like 90s like boys club Lara with Croft. some of those concepts yeah yeah i think that they, i think that game could be modernized and i could see it even being embraced but it's just one of those things that i don't think anybody that worked on that is still at universal so it's like one of those things like it was like a black sheep back then and now it's just nobody even knows about it so it just i would be no universal doesn't have a gaming division it just i would be shocked if it got uncovered everyone that worked on it all the studios that worked on it are defunct so I just exactly. don't know so how just, that would ever come back. It just makes sense for, for you, Brent, to bring it back. Yeah, take the that's, source code that's work what you're saying. And, and get it up and get it on VR. I think that would, uh, <laughs> I think I it would think be great. But... I hear Chris saying for sure. I think I'm in. <laughs> I, <you know? laughs> I got to play it first, though. But I, I, I always wanted to. Experience. <laughs> and I have listened to the uh, the John Hammond dialogue. That stuff's amazing. But, yeah. yeah, so good. So good. Um, yes. Just before we go, I have to ask. Um, after Dominion, we obviously don't know exactly what Dominion's about, but after Dominion, after the big third franchise movie, what do you want from the Jurassic franchise? Ooh, that's, a, that's a good question. I mean, um, I just don't want to have to wait 14 years to have something <laughs> new come out. I think that's a big both. thing. Yeah, and um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, obviously the stuff Disney's doing with Disney plus is amazing. I don't want like universal's app though. That's my issue. Like I, w it would be cool if they did like a, a show and I would then have the app if, uh, if they, if they went that route. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I love movies, man. So I, I, I'm okay with more films. Um, but I but, do, but would think you want it to be most likely, would you want it to be like Jurassic world four or would you want it to be something smaller I think I'm with you guys, um, you know, like unique stories taking place. I mean, it's a Jurassic World now, theoretically, after these movies, right? So different, unique um, dinosaur experiences. I, I'm i all for the, you know, the start of the, the novels where dinosaurs are just running through towns and they don't know what's happening and that, that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I think that's where I would want to go. 
I think it's a reasonable place. I think it's it makes sense as well after three massive blockbusters. Um, pull it back a bit, wait a few years, and do some nice smaller stories set within that universe, continue the story, and maybe some threads that could lead to another trilogy that's bigger and more blockbustery could mm-hmm. be yeah. laid out in these smaller movies. And it, it allows the take, take the time to get there. Take that time to get there and pull back a bit and see like what's the logical route? Where would we actually go? Because you know, when when it's when it's sort of crunch and they have to kind of write, we have to we have to write a new blockbuster movie. It might not be the most logical method um, of, of yeah. doing it. And as, as we discussed before, Fallen Kingdom kind of makes Jurassic World irrelevant and vice versa. And it kind of like, oh, okay, uh, it feels like oh, were they rushing? I don't know. But yeah, I, I hope um, I'm there with you. Hopefully, some smaller stories and and. Uh, a lot more video games as well next time. For, yeah, exactly. Time for some from big AAA titles. We're all ready for it. It's been long enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brandon, thank you so much for coming on, man. It's really great to speak to you, and hopefully, it's the first of many uh, yeah. in general podcasts with you on. Yeah, you guys ever want me to join again? I'm always happy to talk dinosaurs, I, uh, especially Jurassic Park ones. <laughs> yeah, I don't no, know all the names. The <laughs> exactly. <laughs> definitely the T-Rex. And yeah. I do want to say, I know uh, Assis isn't here, but I wanted to bring this up just because I have the opportunity. His love for Jurassic Park 3 over the years has definitely uh, inspired me to love that movie more. So, I, And you guys too. So I, I just so want to say I very much appreciate that. Um, oh, and it, and oh, it's my, and my yes, exactly. And, and <laughs> it's it's top three now because of the because of your guys' podcast. So yeah, that's so I, funny. Uh, that is yeah. so funny. That's so good, though. I mean, I mean, it's true. Like JP three, I I, li- I liked it, but it was a cease that made me really like. You know what? It is a good. It's fun. It's good. It's yeah. got some. Fun. I love the Kirby's. <laughs> oh, that's, that's awesome. I'll pass that on to him. Uh, Brent, yeah. great speaking with you, man. And uh, yeah, good speak talking, to you soon, buddy. Yes, great, guys. Thank you so much. All right, take care. Take care, guys. Thank you so much for Brent uh, for joining us. That was great to speak to you. Uh, finally, something we genuinely have been planning since uh, since Jurassic World came out and he revealed he was in it. Um, we've been planning to get him on the pod and just, you know, wires crossed over the years. But finally, great to have him on. And... Um, Chris, I am hard scheduling the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Like we've interviewed some great people, but how long have we been doing this? <laughs> yeah. No, well, like, you know, the funny thing, it's especially when we started, you know, I'm in the East Coast US. You were overseas in Guernsey. I was on the Assis GMT in, timeline. Yeah. Assis was in Canada. We were all scattered across all these different time zones. At least now you and I are only three hours apart. And, uh, yes, and I'm we're the, very used to uh, calling each other every morning. So mm-hmm. you know, and I'm the one in the future now, ra- rather than you. So it must it, feel it, weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is, but it's become a lot easier to make it work. Yes, it really has. And uh, yeah, there is some frequency with the podcast. But as always, let us know in the comments what you want to hear uh, with the podcast. Let us know in the comments what you think of the podcast, and let us know what you think of the music as well. That's done by our very own Caleb Burnett, Mr. Caleb himself. Uh, conducts the music for this podcast but yeah i think we are good to say goodbye chris yeah uh like like we said earlier stay tuned you know jurassic outpost is out jurassic outpost jurassic world evolution 2 <laughs> jurassic, jurassic outpost is out soon <laughs> jurassic world evolution 2 is out soon um there you know we think that camp cretaceous news will be dropping soon 
hopefully Dominion later this month. Uh, the Jurassic World, I mean, Jurassic Park Ultimate Visual History book is due out this month. We'll have things to talk about there. Um, we have a lot of cool lore content coming. Um, we have a interview with John Bell coming soon. Um, what, yep. what and don't forget there? to check out our interview with David Silver as well, toy designer, mm-hmm. uh, toy sculptor, a uh, man who has worked uh, on the Hasbro 2009 toy line. It's a very exciting conversation we had with him, revealed a lot about that line, and um, is obviously yeah, no, working some... on his own Beast of the Mesozoic line, which yeah. has done really well with Kickstarter. And if you're a fan of dinosaur collectibles and accuracy within the uh, paleo sculpting community, that is one to check out because his sculpts are awesome. And he is a really nice guy, and we had a really great conversation with him, so check it out. And I believe, and I really yeah, like... you and Derek and Caleb interviewed John Bell. Yeah. Yeah, no, that it was a really good interview. And I just want to say with David, I really like the insight. So even if like, say you're not into the realistic dinosaur figures, but you're into collecting like, you know, the Amber collection or whatnot, David gives a lot of great insight on the process and maybe why sometimes the Amber collection figures aren't as um, detailed as some of the other competitors on the market. And it it really, you know, boils down to traditional sculpting versus digital sculpting. Um, But he gives a lot of insight and a lot of great pointers for like how lines like that could evolve and become their fullest but anyhow it's a great interview but yeah no we talked to john bell um which was a lot of fun uh john bell if you're not familiar he just did a ton of concept work on the original jurassic park and is the man behind like the iconic vehicles and a lot more um and from the lost world too and yeah he worked on jp3 but only briefly really before it just briefly and basically everything he worked on was actually cut from the film you know it was mainly that motorcycle uh, chase, chase sequence, sequence yeah which is those, bummer, those motorbikes like, are awesome the ones he i know so classic jurassic <laughs> they feel like they're just motorbikes that would have been like on isla nublar or isla yeah. sorna in this case uh, maybe they're manufactured in sorna i don't know but yeah no it's a bummer that those were cut i would love to see this come back and um then he also worked on jurassic world for a brief amount of time it was when it was on still the doc- called jurassic park 4 Mm-hmm. And it was on the Jaffa Silver script, but it was mainly like the plot was basically the same. But we, we talk a lot about the visual aesthetic that he brought into that. And, uh, you know, I, personally, I'm a bit bummed um, that Jurassic World doesn't look more like the artwork that he cooked up. And we kind of gush over it. And then we talk about if he'd ever want to work on a Jurassic film or TV show again. And uh, I, I think basically the the gist of it is is we need to get John Bell back, and I think he's game. But anyhow, check out that yeah. interview. Once it's out, it's <laughs> definitely worth it. Hell yeah, I'm excited to listen to that. And uh, yeah, we will continue to have more news. Check out the uh, Jurassic Outpost YouTube channel. We have some great content on that. As Chris mentioned, there's some lore coming. Uh, check out uh, JurassicOutpost.com for more. And as always, thank you so much for listening to the In General Podcast. Leave a comment down below and let us know what you think we should do for episode 100. Because uh, if nobody tells us, we just won't do an episode. Then we'll just jump to 101. So, yeah. You know what, what's funny is uh, episode 100, the way that this is timing out, it might end up just being like a Dominion trailer and like <laughs> season four overview. It which might, sort of yeah. feels celebratory anyhow. So it might just align. The stars might align that it's just a big news drop. But yeah, we should still that do something special. Something atypical for 100. <laughs> absolutely i mean we always used to talk about i mean we never did it we never did, even did our commentaries for the movies which i don't know why i know we'll listen to them now but maybe we should do a reading of the uh, 2004 john sales script i think instead of a commentary we should just do like a live stream where we're like we're watching it synced up and uh we can let people mm. join in and watch it with us and you know we can have guest people but it can be like in the commentary so we can have a little bit of like trash talking a little bit of just gushing over it and a little bit of maybe insight 
Maybe it should be a live stream of Fallen Kingdom. <laughs> I feel like we should definitely just do Jurassic Park, <laughs> Lost World, JP3. We can work our way yeah. through all of them, but I us not start with Fallen Kingdom. Whew. Yeah, that'll be a wild one. Let, let's start on a positive note and then keep that positive <laughs> momentum going. Absolutely. All right, Chris, uh, thanks for joining me, man. And as always, Brent, thank you so much for joining. Yep. Guys, thank you for listening to pleasure. the General Podcast. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. Until next time. Good, 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 good. goodbye and stuff. <laughs> Good.